Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Busiest time of the year for Syracuse Athletics. It's time for another Fizz Five. I'm Tyler Aiken alongside Francesco Simone today. And Francesco, how are you? Are you are you able to keep up with all the sports going on around the hill? I, I'm certainly able to. I don't know if I've done it all that well is the question. Because, yeah, you're right. There's a lot going on and a lot of storylines every which way you look. Well, storylines galore over the last week and coming up over the next week and especially with the men's basketball team, that's where we'll start with topic number one. Number one. If you had told me when a five-star or at the very least a four-star recruit was going to come into Syracuse men's basketball and then less than a few years later be dismissed from the team in the middle of his junior season, I would have been pretty surprised. Sure. But the way that Benny Williams' career has gone down, I feel like it was something where everybody was just waiting for it to happen, waiting for the Band-Aid to be yeah. ripped off. Now, maybe I thought it would have been a transfer away in the offseason mm-hmm. rather than getting dismissed in the middle of the season. But the writing was on the wall, right? At yeah. the start of the year, the suspension, it's just yeah. disappointing. It is. Like, is, am I shocked that this happened? Not really given, you know, the recent history that we had, especially with the suspension. He got benched a few other times, which, you know, Autry always said was a coaching decision, uh, you know, best players that can help me win the game decision. But now, in hindsight, you wonder, is that really what it was, right? Um, I'm not shocked it came to this. I I think pretty obviously Autry was not a fan of what Benny Williams was doing towards the end of his tenure, which is ironic considering Autry's the one that recruited the guy four years ago. Um, but again, it's sad. It's unfortunate. It's you know disheartening the way that the whole process went down. But I wasn't necessarily shocked no. that this happened. And you you got to feel for the kid, but it's, unfor- yeah. it, it, it's unfortunate well, that it happened. Y- you feel for the not knowing what he did, you know, it depends, right? I mean, he might have done something heinous. We have no idea, but... No, it's... But at the very least, from where his potential was to yeah. what ended up happening, it's too bad. Now, the the question moving forward is how the rest of the team responds to this. Does this make them respect Autry more? Does it make them angry with him? I mean, it's, it's a difficult situation to not overanalyze. Yeah. Obviously, the dismissal post, a lot of the players commenting you know, just kind of a frowny face emoji or a cry emoji. Like, obviously, they're sad to see a teammate go, but are they – do they respect Coach Autry's decision? Are they happy with the decision? Do they understand it needed to be made but still sad a teammate's gone? It's tough to really know for sure. But you certainly hope it doesn't make Autry lose the locker room because that would be bad. Well, being in the locker room after the Louisville game, it was pretty obvious that guys were not thrilled about it. Like, there were – they were visibly upset at the fact that, that they lost a teammate, right? Which, you know, is certainly an interesting dynamic as everybody tries to figure out exactly what happened. It's an answer that we're probably either never going to get or not going to get for a while. I don't think the team wanted Benny off of it, by and large. Um, I don't think they were happy about the decision. But 
you know, do they understand it? I don't know, right? But the fact that they moved on and won an emotional game against, albeit a pretty dreadful Louisville team, yes, but, you know, it's still a game that they could have very easily have lost. You know, does it make them respect Autry more? You hope they already did, right? Um, yeah, you you do as a coach have to set the standard for your program, especially early on in your tenure. But the thing that concerns me more so than the culture thing, the respect thing, from a talent standpoint now, on the court, you've got six usable players. You know, you've got your starting five in Starling, Mince, Taylor, Taylor, you could even argue whether he's usable or not, Bell and Brown, and then you've got Quirier Copeland off the bench, and Peter Carey playing because you got to have somebody on the floor as a backup setter. Besides that, you know, Kyle Cuff, he didn't play at all for the first time this season against Louisville. Didn't see the floor, right? I mean, after that, what are you going to do, go to Chaz Owens? You know, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, that's the, the more direct... The more direct part of it, which is, you know, you could look down the line. Where do the how do the players react? How does the locker room react? How does this impact Coach Autry's reputation? But in the immediate future, Syracuse was already super thin at the four spot at mm-hmm. that larger forward position. Yeah, and now there's just there's nobody there. No. Syracuse has a bunch of twos and threes, has a four that plays the five, right? And that's about it. Right. Yeah. No, Malik Brown. You're right. Is a you know, 1990s power forward who has to play center because of the way this roster was constructed. You know, you can play armchair quarterback all you want, and that's what I'm about to do here. You got Naheem McLeod as your center, and that's all you got, right? And he's not playing. He got hurt. You got a 7-4 guy who was a two-year backup at Florida State, couldn't hang on what was a bad Seminoles team last year. You bring him in, you hope he's, you know, he takes the next step, all that, you bet on his athleticism, bet on his size. That doesn't work out, which a lot of people could have told you that wasn't going to work I'll out. I'll give you a lot beginning. of credit. Last May, you you made a comment to me that people are expecting too much out of him. Because you see 7-4, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's got to be amazing. But you look at his stat line, you watch him play, and you realize, okay, yeah, he's 7-4, but he can't really move. He's not good with the ball in his hands. He's not doesn't have any touch around the rim. So it, that's where the problem began, right? The fact that you didn't get a legitimate backup center or a legitimate starting center. The fact that you didn't keep Jesse Edwards. That's you know really problem number one. Benny Williams turned into your backup five. And now it's Peter Carey, right? You're not going to burn William Patterson's redshirt at this point in the season. He's probably not even ready to play. Mooney or Hema, God knows what happened to that guy. So it's, you know, you're in a terrible spot and kicking Benny Williams off the team. Well, listen, he might have done something that he deserved to get kicked off the team for. Sure, I'm not disagreeing with that. You know, I think Adrian Autry is a stand-up guy, a high-character guy. I trust his decision-making from that perspective. But from a talent standpoint, you made your team a lot worse. Uh, you absolutely did. It's an interesting decision by Autry. There's a lot to break down in his first year as the head coach, and that brings us to topic number two. Number two. The expectations were always going to be high after a career like Jim Beheim and Syracuse made the decision that I think many expected to stay in-house with Adrian mm-hmm. Autry. And it's been an underwhelming first season, some could argue. It's yeah. been a season where some I, there's a there's disagreement, I think, over how much talent Syracuse has. And then Is there? I, well, uh, some people back in, back in March were talking about 
not back in March, sorry, back in like early season, we're talking about, you know, this is a talented enough team to make the tournament. Who said that? Uh, people. Maybe uh, delusional Syracuse yeah, fans. Yeah, you know, it might have been like, you know, the, the social media echo chamber, but, you know, I myself, I always thought this team was more talented than last year and certainly the year before that, but I never saw this. I mean, you never saw this as a tournament team, did you, Tyler? I had times where I thought it was possible. Now, Dave I'm not going to say it's Autry's fault that it didn't happen. I it's tough. I mean, well, let's get a, let's get aside from the talent and sure. tournament situation. Sure. In general, gut gut reaction. How has Autry been? There are games where I thought he's coached really well. The one that comes to mind most for me is Miami. The way he used his timeouts towards the end, because Malik Brown was in foul trouble. Didn't want him. Didn't want to get him out of the game. He used his timeouts really well, defensively, offensively, substituting on that end. I think he coached a really good basketball game that day. I think he's gotten through to Chris Bell a little bit. I think Chris Bell has. I think the mindset of Chris Bell right now compared to like last year, hundred percent day way better. Hundred percent. I think Chris Bell in two years when Chris Bell's a senior might be a pretty good player. Yeah. He might be a really yeah, good player. He could be. I think so too. By the way, Chris Bell, an aside here, really good kid. He's a really, Super really nice good guy. guy. So, you know, that's obviously a positive. And I think he's got the attitude of he wants to get better. And I think Autry's tapped into that. So give him credit for that. Um, you know, Judah's still as good as he was last year. JJ's gotten better as he's gotten more comfortable. What what kind of a job has he done? I think the only grade you could really give him is an incomplete, right? Because we don't really know. The two things he's probably done best, honestly, Tyler, is held on to Donnie Freeman and held on to Elijah Moore. Correct. That is huge having those two now top 50 guys. Those recruits keep moving up the rankings. Donnie Freeman's a top 20 guy now. He's our best prospect since day one Coleman. That's that's correct. My Is you yourself a, a J.D. Red Ram? Correct. I mean, day one was so good. I could talk about day one. Remember Coleman. watching him play in high school? Uh, so he when he was in high school, I was like in early middle school. Right, you would have been like 12-ish, and 13-ish. He, yeah. he was that guy. Yeah. He was a dominant force playing when he was in high school if he was like 27 mm-hmm. at that point he probably could have what i mean is like if he was if he was older than he was yeah if he play if he came along 10 years earlier i think he could have had a really good professional career mm-hmm. he just came in too late yeah played he was just, he was six nine at the end of the day i know like in my head i don't remember him being just six nine but he wasn't that tall mm-hmm. And he wasn't a great ball handler he had or, injuries or too, defender. Didn't he? Then you had the back and the knee injuries with him. And so disappointing career. Anyways, the the reservations I've had with with Autry is that I can see a lot of remnants of Bayheimisms on this team. Sure. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that because Bayheim was a great coach but he wasn't for the last five years of his career. Mm. And those are the Bayheimisms I'm seeing out there right now. The stubbornness with the starting lineup. Sure. That's still there. The There's just... The, the, zone, offense... the zone and man-to-man defense thing, I think he should have just made a hard choice. We are going to play man. And forget about the zone. And forget about the zone. And just he left the door open a crack to play a little bit of it, and so now when crap hits the fan, yeah, it's like an instinct to go back to it. It's a safety net, yeah, and you got to take that safety net away. There's the Bayheimism of just stagnant offense, not having 
any set plays. Well, that's been that's been Syracuse basketball for half a century is the whole way they run it. And actually, Joe Girard said it this week is the hallmark of Syracuse basketball, individualism, right? Let a guy make a play. You think back to Sherman Douglas, right? He's throwing lobs to Derek. To, uh, yeah, so I, I, almost, I almost wish in the back of my mind, and I'm not saying I'm not happy with Autry, but like, I, I almost wish that Syracuse went out of the program to sure. completely restart, because you you were never gonna you were never gonna come in and have either Autry or McNamara immediately live up to no. Bayheim's hype right no. away. So why not go for someone who can completely change things up, like a Matt Langle? Yeah, I not, that's not to say that Autry's been like super disappointing. Mm. It's just like. You can see it's going to take a few years to get away from what Beheim was doing. Yeah, no, and it, it was always going to, right? It, it's, it, it was. was never gonna. It was never going to be overnight. I, I, I think the idea of them going outside the program, which you know, as this team has kind of lost its way over the last couple of weeks, has been more and more of a talking point. I don't think that was ever on the table. I legitimately don't think, even though Wild Hack will say otherwise, I don't think he thought about that for a second. Correct. And maybe it should have been at least a thought. Sure. Maybe pit Autry and McNamara's resumes and interviews against an outside hire. Sure. Just don't leave a stone unturned there. Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, again, not to say that Adrian Autry's a terrible coach, right? To be frank— we don't know whether he's a good coach or not yet. It's going to take a couple of years to figure out how good he is. But you can certainly see that he shares a lot of the instincts and yeah. mannerisms of Bayheim, Which should not be a surprise. For better and for worse. Yes. There's certainly positives from learning from Jim Bayheim. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get that twisted at all. But you're right. Incomplete is the grade for Adrian Autry. Now, something that is complete is Joe Girard's career at Syracuse. <laughs> yes. Four years with the Orange. And now spending a year in another orange uniform, but making a homecoming this weekend. That's topic number three. Number three. How will Syracuse fans welcome back Joe Girard to the Dome tomorrow or today as you're listening to this? I don't know. What I do know is how they should welcome him. It's a loud cheer as he's introduced. And, and then, then treat him like anybody else him or cheer him, yep. treat him like anyone else for the rest yep. of the game. 100%. That's not what's going to happen. But I don't it's what know. Should happen. I don't know. I, I think a week. I ago, think it'll be mixed. I, a week ago, I was a hundred percent at the stance of they're gonna boo the heck out of him in the starting lineups. I've softened that. I think that. Listen, if you boo this guy, you're a loser. I'm sorry. In star, if you boo him before the game, he's top twenty all time in Syracuse scoring. You know, he's got more points than Lewis or. Roosevelt Bowie. Louis, Louis Orr. Sorry, Louis Orr. It's you're Bowie right. and Louis. I know, you're right. Sorry. He, he actually hated being called Louis, so I, I, should, I, I, should, I should get that right. Fair. Um, and Pearl Washington. Three of the greatest players in the history of this program. He's also— He's got more points than him. He's also one of the best shooters in program history. Third, I mean, third most three-pointers you, made behind Jerry McNamara and Buddy Bayhunt. Yeah. Above Matt Rowe, above Preston Shumpert. The Routens, both of them, yeah. Above the Routens, above Trevor Cooney. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Trevor Cooney. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like, honestly, the... That's a perfect count for Joe Girard, by the way, is Trevor Cooney. Very similar, but Joe is forced to play point guard. Correct, and Trevor Cooney played on good teams. And, yeah, Joe just... There's so many reasons why Syracuse declined, and Joe Girard probably contributed somewhat on the defensive end, but there's only so much one man can do. Well, but that's the thing, like... 
if you're let's think of it this way, right? If you boo him during starting lineups, you're booing him for what? Why? Because he wasn't Michael Jordan? Because he wasn't, you know. Because he didn't continue averaging 50 points a game after high right. school? Because he wasn't a lottery pick in the NBA draft? He was never going to be. He averaged 13 a game across four seasons. You know how many games he missed in his career, Tyler? None. None. He played in every single game for he four years. He averaged almost 20 points a game at one point yeah. his junior year. Yeah. And then I think he did a, a fine job sharing the ball with Judah Mintz when he was a senior and he, he was shot a freshman. 38% from three last year. I, it, the the hate for him, he became a punching bag and a scapegoat for well, everything that was happening with the program. You know what program. it is? People blame him for Kadari Richmond leaving. Which, that was which Jim is, Which is dumb, because Bayheim's the one who didn't play him. Right. Yes. It's just... It and by makes, the way, it's not that Kadari Richmond's this world beater either. Oh, he's a he's a candidate for Big East Player of the Year. He's a good player. He's a candidate. Joe Girard's for Big East a good player, player too. He is. No, I I I just want to make Joe sure we put some respect on Richmond's if name. If Joe Girard was still here, he'd be. He's what Syracuse needs right now. He'd be the second best player on the team right now. Yeah. No. Behind you, without, without a doubt, it's it's frustrating to see how Syracuse fans have treated him, at least in the social media bubble after he left. I hope Syracuse fans treat him well before the game. I don't really care what they do after that uh, because there's a very good chance he could light up Syracuse for once, like 30 points. Once the game begins, fair game. Fair game. You can do whatever. You, you can say whatever you want. You can boo him all. If he hits th- if he hits a three, you should boo him. He's an opposing player, right? He probably will hit a few threes. Well, here's the thing. He hit five big ones to take down North Carolina last week. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, Tyler. I think you and I both know this. He's either scoring 25 or he's scoring like three. I don't see it in between tomorrow. I I actually am on the other side. Really? I see him putting up like 15. Okay. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now let me ask you this question. A big a big critique of Joe Girard was he doesn't show up in big games, right? So he averaged 13 points per game on his career at Syracuse. 13.2. How many points per game do you think he averaged against ranked opponents? In his time at Syracuse. So I'm trying to think of the ranked opponents he'd be playing at the time. Remember, he averaged about 13 a game overall. I'm going to go 16. Against ranked opponents? Yeah. 12. Okay. So unranked teams, he averaged like 13 and a half. And then against ranked teams, it was like 12 and a half. Okay. So he was the same player against ranked teams as he was against Cornell. Basically. Yeah. All the, the talk about, oh, he was inconsistent this, he was inconsistent that. Yeah, you know what? From a game-to-game standpoint, he was. The idea that Joe Girard was a choker, which a lot of people have called him, not true. The numbers just don't prove Well, let's be, let's be even more honest here. He didn't have many opportunities to choke because Syracuse didn't play many big games when he, he was He went here. on one tournament run. Correct. He, he played in three NCAA tournament games. And he scored 12 points in all of them. Not that he didn't show up. That was his sophomore, no, well, that was uh, his sophomore year, right? Yeah, his sophomore year. Yes. Which the keys were not in his hand at the time. No, he was the fourth option on that team. Second, third or fourth option. So, yeah, no, like, now, do you have to go out of your way to love the guy? No, he's not, you know, he's not a top five player in the history of the program. But I think, uh, you know, a little appreciation or at the very least a little bit of respect for what he did. And also, you know, coming off the whole Benny Williams thing, never got in trouble. Never had his name in the papers for the wrong reasons. Always, by all accounts, a nice guy. Member of the community that was, you know, upstanding. 
helped out people when he could. You know, he got involved with you know different charities and all that kind of thing, both in Glens Falls and here. Good dude, uh, right? Like, how do you hate the guy? The the worst thing he contributed was probably his facial hair. I mean, just <laughs> the, uh, the the little goatee, yeah, the little goatee. Not not always the the greatest the greatest look. I, I'm not a fashion expert. I, Fair. The the last question we'll, I'll ask with with Joe Girard. Is there a tribute video that plays before the game, like a short little highlight clip? I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. I don't think, Do you think they will. I don't think so. No. Okay. I don't see a reason why that'd be a bad thing, though. I think I can see them doing that. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. And if they do that, then I think you cheer him after the video's done and boom in starting lineups. And I think that's fair. Then I think he gets one cheer. I, he should get at least one. I wouldn't go more than one. That's fine. Again, when the game begins, he's an opposing player. Correct. A good opposing player, by the way. Yes, he is. People act like he's not having a solid season at Clemson. His defense has been somewhat decent at Clemson, yeah. which for him is good. You realize he's third all-time in the ACC and made three-pointers? That uh, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, mean he's, he's played a fifth year, fifth sure, year. but still. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Even in four years, he was 12. He, he's been he's been pretty solid this year. You know he has been better than pretty solid this year? Who? Uh, the Syracuse men's lacrosse team. The yeah, Syracuse men's fair. lacrosse team yeah, it's, yeah, has wrong. been phenomenal this year. And that brings us to topic number four. Number four. Syracuse men's lacrosse, 3-0 and on the season, albeit with wins over Vermont, Colgate, and Manhattan, but with three wins to start the year by at least eight goals for the first time since the 1950s. It's a long time ago, isn't it? A long time ago. That's when Jim Brown was here. And Joey Spolina mm-hmm. with 26 points through three games. It's a lot. It's almost yeah, 10 nine today. Per. It's almost nine per. Yeah. 10 today. First, first since one of the Powell brothers back in 2000. Yeah. Joey Spolina is a legitimate to Arts and Award candidate. For sure. If not this year, then next year and the year after, for sure. Yeah. This It's been a fun team to watch. I know it's not against the greatest opponents. Yeah. But it's hard not to feel like the team is back. Back to what? Back to you. Ex- the expectation is the tournament. No longer the expectation is maybe get there. Yes. It's a disaster if Syracuse doesn't make the tournament this year. Agreed. Terry Foy said it. Agreed. I would say this, though. Saying Syracuse lacrosse is back means they're perennial national title contenders. I, I think they're I national th- title contenders I don't year. think they're there yet. They're a contender this year. I don't think they're in the inner group. They're not Notre Dame, they're not Virginia, and they're not Duke. I think they will be over after the next few weeks. You think so? I really do. Hmm? It's hard. With a goalie like Will Mark, He's he great. can keep you in games. Yeah. With a face-off guy that is at the very least going to be competent. He's at least going to be serviceable. Yeah. He'll at least be serviceable. With one of the most... And you got two of them now, by the way. W- yes. And with, Cone and Mullen. With plenty of depth at the midfield position. Mm-hmm. With some of the best attackers in the ACC. Yeah. The question mark is going to be the defense. Yeah. And the defense doesn't feel particularly weak. I think Syracuse can compete in the ACC. Syracuse Here, could totally win the ACC tournament. Here's the thing, though, right? You mentioned a high-level attack, decent face-off guy, Great goalie, defense that's not awful. Let's look at Notre Dame. Great attack, really good face-off guy, really good defense. Probably the best goalie in the country. Him and Will Mark are 1-2, right, in Entenmann. You look at Virginia. 
you've got maybe the best attack in the country. Them and Duke have probably the best attacks in the country. Great midfielders. I go. You can go nine deep if you wanted to. Syracuse can too, but not to the same level. Okay, moment. I'm gonna cut you off though. Yeah. If Syracuse played any of those teams today, the expectation would be it's gonna be a close game. It's a game. Yeah, it's a game. Last year wasn't a game. Year before that definitely wasn't a game. The expectation now is that it's a game. Agreed. I don't think the expectation is that you win the game yet. I think the expectation is you got to win at least two. In the so all right. If you want to win at least two in the ACC, you got to be Carolina. Yes. I think they're better than Carolina. Hands down. Can they beat one of Virginia, Duke, and Notre Dame? I think they can. I think they can. I don't think I expect them to. I think they can. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm getting a little overexcited after the first three games. Remember, they've played Manhattan. They've played Colgate. They've Maryland played next yeah. Saturday will be a huge chance to prove that. And Maryland's not what it used to be. A top five team in the country. I know, but it's not the Maryland from two years ago that was the best team ever, basically. No, but number five team in the country. Yeah. If Syracuse wins that game by a few goals. I think Syracuse will beat Maryland. All, home, of, a, I think all of a sudden you're game. looking at the top four teams in the country being from the ACC. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Uh, it really could be. But the there's so many opportunities for trap games is the concern. Because Delaware's a bit of a trap. Delaware's a trap. Utah could be, though I don't see that I being— don't, Utah coming here, I don't think that's much of a Just thing. coming off of Maryland. True. It's a Wednesday game It's a at Wednesday 12 at 12.30. There's going to be nobody in that building. Correct. Yeah. So that's like a weird spot to be in. Cornell's going to be a tough one. That Going on well, the Cornell's road— Cornell's a really good team. Yeah. Going on the road against a good team in an environment where everyone's going to be cheering against Syracuse. Yeah. That'll be tough. Yeah. So there's a lot of ranked teams. I mean, Syracuse plays seven top ten teams this year. Yeah. And then a few teams right on the outside of that, and then mm-hmm. a few teams right outside the top 20. Mm-hmm. So it, it is going to be a very difficult year for Syracuse men's lacrosse. Also going to be a difficult year for Syracuse women's lacrosse. That brings us to topic number five. Number five. Well, the women's lacrosse season getting off to a hot start Tomorrow, while we're recording this today, while you're listening to it, Syracuse takes on Northwestern. That's the number five Orange team, the number one Wildcats team in the nation, going up against a former national player in the year in Izzy Skane. And Syracuse mm. has lost a lot of talent, Francesco. Yeah, it has. I mean, you, you look at Megan Tyrell, who's one of the best players in program history. You know, she's out the door. You lost a lot more firepower as well. But, you know, losing Tyrell first and foremost, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be difficult. You still have her sister, Emma. You still have Emma Ward. You lost Megan Carney, too. Yeah, like, there's a lot to replace. I mean, Olivia Adamson's going to have to take a bigger role this season. I'm I'm such a big Olivia Adamson She's great. supporter. She's I've, fantastic. I, I, I in part, partly in jest, I've said she could be the National Player of the Year when she's a senior. Now, maybe that's an it's exaggeration. junior year? Yeah, it's her junior year. It's her junior yeah. year this year. Yeah. But... She is a very underrated player. Yeah, she's very well. I mean, she's also been buried behind a bunch of great players. Correct. So this year will be a, a big opportunity for her. Syracuse also has, also has one of the best players in the country, ranked the fifth best player in the country headed into the year. Delaney Schweitzer, the goalie. Goal. Yep. Which I think a lot of people forget about or cast to the side. She is a very, very good net miner. And that's the thing about women's lacrosse is that you look around the country. There's not that many goalies out there who you say that person can win you a game. Delaney can do that. I mean, she is she's probably the best goalie in the country. And she can, on any given day, give you a 60% save percentage, which in women's lacrosse is not something you see very often. 
has had spurts of inconsistency sure. at times, but has been really solid. Syracuse has five players on the inside lacrosse All-America teams, mm-hmm. uh, a first-teamer, two, uh, two second-teamers, and two honorable mentions. The lone first-teamer is Delaney Schweitzer, but this is a Syracuse team coming off year with a long winning streak, mm-hmm. ranked number one in the country for a few weeks, and then things went downhill. Mm-hmm. Rough end of the year, kind of skidded into the Final Four and mm-hmm. completely fell apart there. The expectation is that Syracuse kind of has to break through the wall eventually, no? The problem is, though, I'm afraid they might have missed their window, right? Like, Was their window with Tyrell? Megan that's, Tyrell? That's what, that's what is my fear, right? Because you have a player in Megan Tyrell who, maybe not generational, but generational as far as Syracuse is concerned. I mean, she was outstanding. That's, that's pretty close to generational. I mean, if Izzy Skeen doesn't exist, she probably wins a Tuaretan Award. Probably, a, right? Award, so. Yeah. I mean, she, she played in the same era as Izzy Skeen, played in the same era as Ortega from UNC, in the same era Charlotte North. as Charlotte North as well. It's probably the GOAT, right? So, yeah, kind of a tough time to be to be a great player in women's college lacrosse as this, you know, the sport gets better and better and better and better. But you had her. You couldn't get it done. You had a team last year where you thought, all right, this is the one. Syracuse women's lacrosse has never won a national title. But then going into the playoffs last year, it felt like nobody had faith in the team. Well, and the fact that they got the number two seed was already surprising. Then you, you go through, like you said, you kind of limp through tournament play. You beat Hopkins. You beat James Madison. And then you should have beaten Boston College, but you lost to them by a goal in, in a slugfest. And then you would have lost to Northwestern anyway because that was a, a juggernaut of a team. So they probably weren't going to win last year anyway just because Northwestern existed. I think the same thing's kind of true this year because Northwestern is maybe even better than it was a year ago. So, do I think this is the year? Probably not. But you know, when's it gonna happen? I don't know. Like you're right. Eventually, it's got to. The question that was the question for a long time under Gary Gate was when is it gonna happen? It never right. did. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Kayla Trainer. Mm-hmm. When is she going to break through mm-hmm. that wall? At the very least, get to the championship game. Right. I think that would be seen as a successful year if Syracuse made it to the yeah. final and lost. I think people in general would be happy with mm-hmm. that. But a lot of question marks going into the season. Who's going to be the player to step up? Will it be Ward? Will it be Emma Tyrell, the mm-hmm. younger sister? Will it be Olivia Adamson? Yeah. Which would make me very excited <laughs> and happy in my yeah. take. Uh, if if you listen to this program regularly, you'll know Ethan Frank is a big supporter of Quadir Copeland. Yes. I might make my Olivia Adamson take She's your equivalent. She's my Quadir Copeland. Okay, I see. She's a great player. I I got to give like a points prediction on the year. Here's the thing though, Olivia Adamson is a better lacrosse player than Quadir Copeland as a basketball player. Oh, a hundred percent. No disrespect to Quadir, but Olivia Adamson's legitimately an All-American. Is she a better lacrosse player than Malik Brown as a basketball player? Because yes. I know you're a huge Malik yes. fan. Okay, she is. Hey, Malik Brown's not an All-American. So are you calling it a weak take? Is that what you're saying? That that you like Olivia Adamson? That I think she will be the best player on the team this year. I, I think with Emma Ward, that is a little bit of a strong take. Um, I mean, Emma Ward's a darn good player. If you said second best, I'd buy into it. Okay. So I'm pulling up the stats from last year before we round things off here. There's no reason why Olivia Adamson can't be as good or better than Emma Tyrell. Emma Tyrell is very good She's last terrific. year, too. Great player, but Olivia Adamson is, too. Now, the best player on this team is Delaney Schweitzer, but offensively, I would go Emma Ward, then either Emma Tyrell or Olivia Adamson. So, in terms of points last year, oh my goodness, Megan Tyrell at 107 mm-hmm. on the season. Yep. 
Then after that, Emma Ward, 94, 56 assists, by the way. 68 points for Emma Tyrell, 66 for Megan Carney, 51 for Olivia Adamson. So Syracuse is losing between Carney and Tyrell over 170 points. It's a lot. Somebody's got to make that up. I think, so Adamson, 51. This is including postseason, by the way. Yeah. I think Adamson gets over 90 this year. I don't hate that. But there's a chance Ward gets well over 100. I think she will. She had 94 last year. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. To they're watch. gonna they're gonna need a couple of their midfielders to kind of take that next step. Whether you're looking at a Jenny Markey, a Nat Smith, a Maddie Baxter, that kind of trio right there of veteran players, they have to really become great offensively. At least a couple of them to help make up for that gap. Because 170 points out of two players is a lot to make up for. One last little nugget, uh, Kate Mashevsky. She's Probably back, yeah. the best draw specialist in the country. Up there, certainly, yeah. Is back in business, yeah. finally back from, I think this is her second season-ending injury now. Yeah. torn ACL, yeah. So she's and Olivia, back for one more year. Olivia Adamson was the one who took over at the draw control circle when Mashevsky got hurt and did a nice job, yeah. Did a solid job, only... So she finished with 107 on the season, Yeah, but she often flung it to her teammates. Sure. She wasn't the person to just keep yeah. flung it to herself Draw often. controls are weird because they're not like face-offs in men's lacrosse where... The draw control specialist doesn't get credit for the win unless she's the one who actually picks up the That's ball. That's my biggest gripe. It makes no sense, right? There's a lot of weird differences between men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse. But in men's lacrosse, you, you don't see, like, a wing get credit for the face-off. No, no they, they, they do get, get, get the ground, ground ball. ball. Right. But the face-off guy gets the face-off win. Yeah. There Which I think is the be, way it should be. There should be some sort of tracking, in my opinion. For I agree. So, that's... Neither here nor there. But That's yeah. neither here nor there. Probably more women's across talk than most of you can handle. <laughs> but Syracuse is a darn good team, so we're going to talk about them. That about does it, though, for this edition of the Fizz Five. On behalf of Francesco Simone and myself, thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, go Orange. <laughs>